And now, Lifestyles Unlimited presents the Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Over the next hour, we unfold your map to financial freedom. You'll learn how to retire through investing in single-family and multifamily real estate. You'll learn how to create cash flow and build wealth so you can have the time and money to live the lifestyle you want. Welcome to the show. My name is Al Gordon, and as always, I'm working on your financial freedom. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about the housing market because there's a lot of disinformation floating around out there. When I say disinformation, I mean disinformation. And, and where does all this disinformation come from? It comes from the minds of people that are making analysis of what's going on in the market who don't necessarily understand the fundamentals of the market. Yeah, I said it. I said it. I said that some people get it wrong. They get it wrong. But because they have a microphone, because they have the ability to broadcast information, kind of like I do, they send messaging out that may not be accurate. Yeah, it may not be accurate. And that's what I'm getting at today because there's a lot of information out there that's talking about whether or not the housing market is going to crash. It's going to crash. That's, that's what all this stuff is saying. Forbes is saying housing market crash 2022. What to expect as interest rates rise. So they've got their spin on it. Then there's another entity out there. Uh, something called NASDAQ.com. NASDAQ.com. I mean, aren't, aren't they in the stock business? Yeah, but they've got an article that says, tired of hearing about the housing market crash? The Wall Street Journal, blah, 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 blah. And then they're, they're talking about during the Great Recession, there was a surplus of homes on the market. Okay. And today, inventory rates, well, they're, they're pretty low. They're pretty low. NASDAQ.com, who's quoting the Wall Street Journal, is saying that they're not quite sure there's going to be a housing crash because of inventory levels. All right, so we have we have one entity that's saying maybe that there's going to be a problem. We have another entity saying maybe there's not going to be a problem. So we have two differences of opinion. So what do you think is really going to happen? What do you think the market will do? Well, let's break out our crystal balls. Yeah, break your crystal ball out. Let's let's look into this thing. Let's gaze into the beauty of the crystal ball. It's not telling me anything. No, it's looking kind of cloudy and stuff. There's some glitter going on in there. I'm shaking it a little bit. More glitter going around. It's it's not giving me an image of what the future holds. How, how's your crystal ball doing? The same thing? Same effect? Okay. Why don't we do this? Let's take these crystal balls and let's set them to the side because that's not going to give us the information that we need. What we need to do is we need to take a look at statistical information as it relates to the United States housing market. We can analyze this information. It's not going to give us projections for the future, but it will give us trend line information that we can use to determine whether or not the housing market is going to crash or it's going to remain pretty healthy. Now, my argument is that I believe the housing market will remain pretty healthy for the time being. I, I absolutely believe that. And my arguments today are going to support that statement. They will. All right. So let's let's get into Redfin's website. Now, Redfin is one of these entities out there that 
is getting involved with real estate. They provide a lot of market data. Um, they're 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 trying to get involved with the the sale of property, with rental of property. They they provide a lot of services to somebody like you and I who happen to be real estate investors. Whether you're a real estate investor now or not, it's still salient information that you can use. So I'm looking at some of the statistical information they're providing. And I see things like medium sale price of homes, number of houses sold, the national average 30-year fixed mortgage rate. Because right now, everybody thinks that because the mortgage rates went up, it's killing the housing market. And, and there is an effect there. There is an effect. That effect really boils down to individuals that were looking to buy homes to live in them or to consume those homes. A lot of those people got priced out of the market because the interest rate year over year, well, it essentially doubled. According to Redfin, they're saying the national 30-year fixed mortgage rate is at 6.1%, which is kind of interesting because I've seen other statistical measures out there that are saying it's closer to 7 or it's actually over 7%. Whatever it is, it's literally twice as high as it was a year ago. Yeah, it's literally twice as high. Now, that will have an impact on the cost of any money that you utilize. But we factor that into the equation when we do our analysis on property. We do. If the cost of the money is too great, we either have to reduce the price of the property that, that we're looking to buy. In other words, we, we offer less. And if that doesn't work out for the seller, then we just walk away from the deal. But if it does work out from the, for the seller, we go ahead and consummate the deal. And at that point, we're about ready to make ourselves a lot of money. You heard me correctly. We're going to make ourselves a lot of money. Now, here's another stat that I think is very interesting. And this, this is a stat that some of you might look at and go, see, I told you the housing market's collapsing. It happens to deal with the number of homes sold. So Redfin is saying that as of September of 2022, 503,812 homes had transacted across the country. And that number is down 22%. That's, that's a pretty significant drop, 22%. But I think what that's telling us is that there are less people engaged in the housing market because of that interest rate increase. Yeah, so some people just got out of the market, didn't transact because they couldn't transact or they couldn't afford the house that they had their eyes on because the cost of money was too much. It's just that simple. Market pricing is still rising. As a matter of fact, uh, it's up 7.6% year over year. Now, I, I do have to tell you that market pricing was actually higher earlier in this year. It, it's a true statement. As a matter of fact, it got close to about $430,000 for the median sales price. And some of you are screaming at the radio, see, see, there, there it is right there. There's your proof that the housing market is cooling off. Okay. Let me, let me burst your bubble for a second. Are you okay with that? All right. So what I'm looking at is a trend line of pricing going all the way back to 2019. So it's 2019 up until September of 2022. And that trend line is showing me that pricing has been going up over that period. Now, there have been spikes, there have been drops, but those spikes and drops are very, very calm. They are very, very calm. As a matter of fact, I think the, the biggest indication that there's been a, a change 
in housing prices has to do with the fact that they've they've jacked up the interest rates. They've literally doubled them over the last year. And as a result of that, it's caused some people to come out of the market, but not everybody is out of the market. So you're probably thinking to yourself, well, what does that mean, Al? What does that really mean? I mean, what about available homes? I mean, is there a way we can analyze the supply of homes? And you're right. There is a way we can analyze the supply of homes. We can just actually look at what Redfin is telling us. And they're telling us that there is a month of supply, two months worth. Yeah, the month of supply for available homes, two months worth. Now you're thinking to yourself, well, what does that mean? What does two months mean? Well, two months means that we're still technically in a seller's market. Even though the median days on market has has risen slightly, it's taking about 32 days for the average home to transact, there's still only two months worth of supply. Meaning if nobody puts another house onto the market, you only have what's currently on the market. Everything that's currently on the market will be gone after two months and we'll have zero properties on the market. That's that's what two months worth of supply means. Now, a balanced market, a market where buyers and sellers are a little bit closer together on pricing and terms and things like that occurs when we hit the, say, the four to six month range. That That is the typical range where everything gets to be more of a balanced market. And if we get above six months of supply, then we start leaning more towards a buyer's market. So I'm, I'm here to tell you, and, and I know some of you don't want to believe me, but I'm here to tell you that right now we are still in a seller's market. Although terms and conditions for a sale have become a little bit easier. The time it takes for properties to transact has has become a little slower. But here's here's a stat that's really going to blow your mind. 554,074. Yeah, 554,074 represents the number of newly listed homes effective September of 2022. And that number is down. That number is down over 19%. So that's kind of a curious number because when we go back and we take a look at the statistic that talked about the number of homes sold is down about 22%. Well, the number of homes available for sale is down over 19%. They kind of cancel each other out. Do you see that? Yes, you see that. See, so what's happening is there are some sellers out there that believe the, the seller's market is over. And as a result of that, they, they're not going to sell. That's, that's their mindset. Their mindset is, I'm not going to get top of market. Therefore, I'm going to retain the, the, the asset and, and I'm not going to sell. I'm going to keep either living here or renting this property out. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Now, here's another stat that has to do with the housing supply that I think is, is very important. The number of homes available for sale. Now, this is not the number of newly listed homes. This is the number of homes available for sale. 1,744,710. And that number is up 5.4%. So even though there is a, a trend that indicates that less homes are being put on the market for sale, there's still 
an adequate supply of homes, at least a two-month supply of homes out there in the form of 1.7 million homes. Pretty cool stuff, huh? All right, you want, do you want to get more into the stats? All right, why don't we talk about housing demand? Yeah, we need to talk about housing demand because what housing demand indicates to you is how competitive, how competitive is the marketplace? Yeah, you probably want to know that, right? Okay, well, according to Redfin, in September of 2022, 32% of the homes in the United States sold below the list price, below list price. So that what that means is let's say the house went on the market for $200,000 and let's say it sold for $195,000. That would be below the list price. Only 32% of the homes that sold effective September 2022 sold below the list price. Now, I would tell you that we as investors we're, we're probably in this 32% group because we're buying stuff at wholesale pricing. We're fixing it up and we're commanding retail pricing, which is allowing us to capture a lot of equity in these assets. So we're part of that 32%. But what's the opposite of that? What's the opposite of 32%? 68%, right? So that indicates that 68% or well over two thirds of all the homes that sold in the United States sold at list price or possibly above, possibly above. Now, Redfin goes on to say this. Redfin is telling us that of the 32% of the homes in the United States that sold below the list price, that number is actually down 15.8% year over year, which means that even more properties than a year ago sold for at list price or above. It's pretty cool stuff. All right, what we're going to do now is we're going to move on from the housing demand because I think I've beat your, your head into the ground enough. What I want to share with you are some of the most competitive cities in the United States. In other words, where properties are being transacted more favorably. And they're, they're really all over the United States. Places like Fort Wayne, Indiana, places like Omaha, Nebraska, Richmond, Virginia, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Wichita, Kansas. Columbia, South Carolina, Edmond, Oklahoma, Rochester, New York, Oakland, California, of all places, and Overland Park, Kansas. Now, why did I rattle off all 10 of those cities? Because I believe that those are very competitive cities. Redfin believes that those are very competitive cities. What that means is that homes above list price were likely to receive multiple offers. So if you are a seller and you're in one of those towns, this might be a great opportunity for you to sell property, take the proceeds, and then go to another place and buy some property. Oh, yeah, that's how it works. When we come back from the break, I have more on statistical information. Stick around. Got questions? Call Lifestyles Unlimited at 855-497-4335. The Real Estate Investor Radio Show continues next. You allowed 15,000 members into your sandbox. Thank you. you. And so that speaks volumes. So for that and as a family. So you know why I did that? Everybody always asks, why did you do this? Because I was an ugly kid. My parents used to have to put a pork chop around my neck so the dog would play with me. And so I always wanted to have friends, and I figured if I could make people rich, they might be my friend. Join Dell and his successful friends. Start with the free online workshop. 
Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back to the second half of the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. My name is Al Gordon, and if you're just joining me, we are talking about whether or not the housing market is going to crash. There is information floating around in the world, in the United States, that says we are poised for a crash of the housing market. And I'm here to tell you, I don't think that's true. I'm using a lot of statistical information provided to me by Redfin to make the argument that the housing markets are actually very, very healthy. There is a trend right now that we have a shortage of available assets available for sale. Yeah. So what I'm getting at is Redfin is indicating that the, the housing supply has about a two month inventory of available homes. When, when we're talking about two months of available inventory, what that indicates is that the market is leaning towards sellers. The statistical information I provided to you in the last segment indicated that the, the markets across the United States seem to be very, very healthy. As a matter of fact, some properties are selling below list price, but other properties are selling above list price. And it really doesn't matter what the ratio is. It just gives you an indication that the market is still very healthy. So you're probably wondering, well, who are all these people that are buying these houses? And that's a great question to ask. Here's your answer. There are two types of people that buy houses. There are consumers. In other words, individuals like you and me that want to buy a house because we don't want to rent from somebody else. We want to have our own property. So we will go into the housing market and we will select a home to buy, and then we'll purchase that home. We'll go through the, the escrow process and we'll become owners of that home. And we will live in that home for as long as we, we choose to do so until we decide to either dispose of that home and get another one, or maybe we retain this home and go get another one. I mean, those, those are some of the options. The other people that buy these homes are people like me and potentially people like you, real estate investors, people that look to the housing stock and realize that there is a great opportunity for us to provide clean, functional workforce housing to a demographic group that desperately desires it. And when we go into the neighborhoods that we go into, we usually select one of the worst properties in that neighborhood, and then we transform that property into one of the nicest properties in the neighborhood. We, we don't over-improve it. We keep it within the standard of what's in that neighborhood, but we make it a beautiful place for somebody to call home. And that's very important. So I'm going to talk about migration now. And migration is something that is occurring in the United States. It's actually affecting the housing stocks for the people that buy properties to live in them or to consume them. Okay. California. California has the largest net loss of any state in the union. What that means is that more and more people are moving away from California and they're moving to other states in the union, states like Florida, which just happens to have the highest inbound rate going on in the United States. So whereas California is losing about 53,000 people per month, I believe this is a, a monthly measure. 
could be yearly measure. It doesn't really indicate either one. The state of Florida is bringing in 53,000. Yeah, so for every 53,000 to leave California, 53,000 people are moving into Florida. And that doesn't necessarily mean Californians are just migrating to Florida. They're migrating to, to different parts of the nation. So what we're seeing is we're seeing a trend where people are tending to move away from some of the, the northern states, and they're tending to move into some of the southern states. But that's, that's not a perfectly fashioned demographic. It's, it's not. It's not. So nationwide, 24% of homebuyers search to move to a different metro area between August 22 and October of 22. So that's okay. Apparently that's a August, September, October. It's a three month measure. Okay. So that now I, now I understand the graph because they didn't label the graph. So it's 53 people, 53,000 people have migrated out of California over a three month period and 53,000 people have migrated into Florida over a three month period. The, the top five States for home buyers that home buyers searched to move to were Florida, Texas, Tennessee, Nevada, and North Carolina. Now, the the five states that lost the most people, we, we've already talked about California, New York, the District of Columbia, now that's interesting, Massachusetts, and Illinois. Those those are the top five states that people were, were moving from. And I think it's very interesting to, to understand that because I, I do most of my investing in Texas. Now, when it comes to single-family properties, I'm buying properties that are in Texas. I, I choose not to buy anything outside of Texas. That's just my personal choice. I, I know plenty of Lifestyles Unlimited members that own properties in Texas as well as outside of Texas. And I know the members that, that own outside of Texas exclusively, they don't, they don't buy anything in Texas because they have identified the markets that make sense to them. The reason I'm pointing out this, this migration trend is because we have to be aware as investors that we may compete with some of these people moving in to our areas for available assets. I know that makes sense to you, right? Of course it does. All right. So the neat thing though, is that the asset that I'm going to target is usually a distressed asset. It's not the type of asset that somebody moving from California to Texas would necessarily be looking for. Now, there are people out there that look for worn out properties. They will buy those worn out properties and they will move into those worn out properties. And then over time, they will renovate the property while they're living there. But that number of people is actually a, a much smaller number than the total number of people that would come here to buy a property to live in. Most people that buy properties to live in are looking for something that's already good to go. So as a result of that, I'm not really going to compete with those types of people. The only types of people that I'm going to compete with are the, the home buyers that are willing to take on a big project, okay, and they're in the minority, and possibly real estate flippers. Yeah. People that go in, buy property, fix it up, and they turn around and they sell that property on the market. Now, flippers have been impacted a little bit by what's going on in the marketplace because flippers really need to see growing prices. As a matter of fact, during the pandemic, flippers did reasonably well because what we saw was a nice, constant increase in pricing from 2022 all the way well, through the current date. And what I'm, what I'm getting at 
is in 2022, we were looking at median prices of, say, oh, I don't know, around $300,000. And now we're looking at median price ranges of about $400,000 in the current market. So that that's a very healthy market for somebody that wants to flip. If you're flipping and the market starts to take a turn on you, we've, we've seen pricing go down a little bit. It's not terrible, but it's a little bit. That could cause a flipper to step away. And here's why the, the flipper might step away, but I would still buy that property. When I buy that property, I'm not looking to sell that property in four months or six months or you know less than a year so that I can get my money out of it. What I'm looking to do is convert that property to a really nice rental home. And then I'm going to make that property available to a family that's going to live in that home. And then I'm going to continue to operate that property month after month after month until I get to a certain place in the future where I've identified what I call a decision point. In other words, a decision point for me could be in three years. In three years, I take a look at what the property is worth. I take a look at how the cash flows have grown over time. And then I make a decision as to whether or not that property has met my exit strategy. The housing market is pretty healthy, especially when you look at it through the lens of a real estate investor. All of these realtors that I have a relationship with are sending me opportunities that I can buy. And the first thing that I do when I look at the opportunity is I determine whether or not the opportunity is going to meet my investing strategy. Yeah, you, you heard me correctly, whether it's going to meet my investing strategy. Now, when it comes to single family homes, one of the strategies that, that I follow is that the asset must double my investment within five years. Yeah, if, if, if it doesn't have the potential to double my investment in five years or less, I don't buy it. But ironically, there's no shortage of properties that are available on today's market that meet that criteria. Yeah, I'm just I'm here to tell you there's no shortage. I mean, as a matter of fact, I've got three properties, two from Greg, one from Adrian. And I'm not sure which one I want to share with you. So why don't we do this? I'm going to do the eeny, meeny, miny, mo thing. Ready? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Catch a tiger by his toe. If he hollers, let him go. Eeny, meeny, miny. Adrian wins. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about this particular deal. This is this is this is a blind analysis, and what I'm going to do is is share with you how I analyze property. So this is a home. It's a three bedroom, one bath. It's 780 square feet built in 1949. The property is in the greater San Antonio area. The after repair price or the after repair value, the ARV as we call it, is $160,000. It's available for me at $85,000. So what I have to do is I have to do my analysis at $85,000 to see if this property is going to do for me what I think it's going to do. Now I need some additional information. Uh, one of the things that Adrian shares with me is that she thinks based on the renovations that need to be done on the property, once I get everything completed, I can capture about $21,500 in equity. You heard me correctly, $21,500 in equity. Now I can get into this deal for just shy of $22,000. Okay. So stop right there. Do you understand what I just told you? This particular deal, if I were to decide to buy this deal and everything worked out, it would allow me to double my money on the day I bought it. You heard me correctly. It would allow me to double my money 
on the day that I bought it. And you're thinking, wait a minute, Al, I'm not seeing that. I'm, I'm not seeing it. Okay, let me break it down for you. I can buy this thing for $85,000. Now, I'm going to have to put some money into this thing. But once I put money into this property, my all-in cost for everything, with cash out of my pocket, with, with money coming from lenders, my entire all-in cost on this property is about $139,000. The property is worth, in today's market, $160,000 thousand dollars that means when i buy this property and i renovate it and i put a resident into that property after the renovation's done and i put my long-term financing on i will have effectively doubled my money in about three months now remember my standard is double my money in five years or less but this particular deal here gives me the opportunity to double my money literally the day i buy it so this is a property that I would certainly consider. Now, there's, there's some other things I need to, to factor in because I do have some minimum requirements for cash flow. I prefer a property to produce about $400 a month in cash flow. That's, that's my, my preference. However, I do have a lower limit that I'm willing to work with. And I'm willing to work with this lower limit, especially when I can buy a deal like this that's going to double my money literally the day that I buy it. That's $200. Yeah. So if, if a property does not produce at least $200 worth of cash flow for me, chances are I may not buy it. Now, this particular property is poised to produce about $300 a month in cash flow. So even though it's not my, my optimum number, it's still a number I can work with. It's still a number that is reasonable, especially if I'm going to double my money in three months. Yeah. Okay. What I want to do now is I'm actually going to jump over to the mailbag because I received an email from a gentleman by the name of Brian. And it's, it's an email that talks about what we're just talking about in this deal. And I think it's important for you to understand how a listener is addressing this particular issue and how I responded. Wouldn't you be interested to hear that? Okay, so this is what Brian says. Hey, Al, always appreciate your show and insight to the market. Regarding yesterday's broadcast, you talked about potentially buying a property for $100,000 to $105,000 with comps showing $220,000. Okay, so what, what he's talking about is a deal I did, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, and I, I didn't actually do the deal. I just analyzed the deal on the show. So what he's saying was you could buy into the property for about $105,000. That was your initial strike price, but the property had an ARV of $220,000. He goes on to say this, with anticipated rising interest rates, if rates go up, then home prices will go down. How is that factored in? Does that concern you? I know the idea is to buy and hold for three to five years. Actually, the two-day class suggested to sell at three years. But if home prices drop hypothetically to $190,000, then you're no longer capturing the unrealized equity of $28,000 as mentioned in the show. Very good, Brian. You're, you're on it. Second question. If home prices drop, then won't rental prices drop? If so, you won't be able to charge the $1,650 per month, and therefore, you won't be able to cash flow the $230 per month. I recently took the two-day financial freedom class. So I'm on board with Lifestyles Unlimited, but still learning as the market is changing and anticipating how to wisely invest in the near future. Okay, so I, I had somewhat of a lengthy response, and I'm just going to read it to you verbatim because I think I capture everything that he has concerns about. Hey, Brian, 
The captured equity is actually my insurance against losing money. Dell's number one rule, don't lose money. So if I buy a house today, say that one we talked about on the air, and in year two, the market implodes, what is my exposure to risk? And here's what I said, none, unless I panic. Remember, the strategy is to hold three to five years and you fix or repair anything that can break out to seven years. You are protected against big repair costs because you tackled them up front. Granted, there are times when the unexpected can happen, but this is the best way to protect your cash flow and to hold your asset. You don't need to sell until the market recovers, which it will. I agree that the interest rates will affect values as the cost of money increases, which will impact how you finance a property. You have to be profitable. Some cash buyers don't have to be profitable, i.e. homeowners, but investors have to get a rate of return if they are doing it right. The cost of money will impact what a seller can command for a property as the supply of available buyers will evaporate in favor of lower prices in the marketplace. However, Dell's advice is to buy on the way down and on the way up. He's been waiting for this market since 2008. That was the last time he was able to get the best returns available in the real estate markets. Now, rents are a different story. They too are market driven. But if you look at the markets we invest in, rents are holding strong and are still going up in various areas. A big, the big threat to rents is really wages, as the after repair value of a property doesn't affect the market rents. If inflation continues to rise, it will put a burden on wages, as we are already seeing. A consumer's disposable income evaporates, and they may need to make some life changes to afford future inflation gains. But people still place great value on having a place to call home, and most are not interested in moving. It's a hassle and costs money and time. Also recall that we don't buy upper-end properties for the most part. If our residents can no longer afford to live in our property and elect to move on, we will benefit from other residents living in higher-cost properties downgrading to meet their economic needs. So, Brian, there you go. I, I gave you a, a shout-out on the air. I thought that was really a, a well, not, I was going to say a well-crafted question, but you have multiple questions in there. And I appreciate you sending me that, Brian, because I think everybody learned something from it. My, my big takeaway for you is this. I think the real estate markets are very healthy. We don't worry about whether or not prices are going up or going down, because when we buy the properties, we're looking to hold the properties for a, a certain period of time. As I mentioned in the email response to Brian, that's about three to five years. And we do recommend you take a look at year three, possibly selling your asset. Now, I will tell you, I have actually sold assets that I've acquired after I've owned them for one year. And the reason I did that was because the properties met my investing targets. They allowed me to double my money. And as a result of that, it was time for me to harvest my money, to put that asset back into the inventory, to sell it to somebody else who would give me money for it. And then once I had the money in my hand, I turned around and reinvested. My particular strategy was this. Once a single family house doubled in value, I would sell that asset, I would take all of that money out, and with that doubled amount, I would use that money to buy multifamily 
assets. That is what I have been doing for the last year, year and a half. And I will tell you this, I have one house left that I'm going to sell probably in the spring. And when I sell that property, I'm moving up to some more multifamily. Well, there you go. There's the health of the market. I think the market is very healthy, and I think you should get started with real estate investing. To do that, go to lifestylesunlimited.com. Get signed up for a free workshop, and let's get you going. The information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.